If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Healthcare for Humans, hosted by Dr. Sundar, expands our understanding of the history and culture of different communities and how to provide culturally responsive care. There's an episode you should check out where guest Dr. Duran details the systemic barriers faced by individuals with DACA status and highlights the importance of addressing these barriers. Check out Healthcare for Humans on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Because that's when it became so bad that I actually had to see a professional that was able to help support me. Welcome to the Nurse Wellness Podcast, empowering nurses to manage stressors so they can intentionally reconnect with their purpose, optimize their wellness, and ultimately show up in the world the way they want to be seen. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Wendy Garvin-Mayo, your stress solution strategist. In this podcast, you'll receive actionable stress management tips, insightful interviews, and strategies that focus on inspiring you to be your best, do your best, and give your best. With that, let's get started. Audrey Boyce, welcome to the wellness platform. I'm so excited that you are here. How are you today? I am doing great, Wendy. Thank you so much for asking. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you and excited for our discussion so our listeners can learn more about you and what you do because you're doing some powerful work out there in the uh, the workforce for nurses. So I'm very, very, very excited for this discussion. So why don't we start by uh, telling our listeners a little bit about yourself. Who is Audrey Boyce? Wow. Thank you for asking. I am going to start from when I decided to become a nurse, which I was eight years old. And I helped that blind man cross a very busy intersection. And I felt so happy that I had made a difference that it was at that time I decided I wanted to be a nurse. And so I went to nursing school. I became a nurse. Fast forward, after working many long hours and countless shifts, I found myself feeling extremely tired and fatigued. And it was during that time, it was at the 15th year of my third to one career as a nurse that I experienced what I would call burnout and overwhelm. But that didn't stop me, though I stepped away for a moment to make self-care a priority and to really care for myself, I returned to nursing because what I did, I was able to reconnect back with my passion. And that was just being a nurse. That's what I always wanted to be. So I've been a nurse now 31 years. I'm also a national board certified health and wellness coach. And I help nurses to connect back with their purpose and to make self-care a priority so that they can continue being a nurse and choose to be present for the things that are important for them, like family and caring for themselves without having to give up their career. So, yes, thank you for letting me share my little spill. (laughs) I love that. And and that's why we are so aligned, because our missions are very similar 
Um, and many people would say, oh, well, why do you have her on there? It's very similar. And I think there's power in numbers. So, you know, we here at uh, Stress Blueprint and our wellness podcast, Wellness with Wendy, we're all about uh, health and wellness and stress management for nurses and healthcare professionals. So very uh, same mission. So I am so happy that there's someone else out there who's doing the same thing because there's so many nurses out there and healthcare professionals that need help. Um, and you mentioned that after 15 years, you experienced overwhelming burnout. At that time, did you know it was overwhelming burnout? Because overwhelming burnout in nursing, even though it's been something that we've been experiencing for a very long time, it, it's kind of more common now with the pandemic. Did you have the words to identify what it was at that time? Or are you um, identifying it now in retrospect? That's a great question, because sometimes when we were experiencing things, we're not, we're not able to put a name to it. And that is where mindfulness comes in, which I didn't know about even back then. But figure this, Wendy. I was running two businesses in supporting my husband with the two businesses. I was working nights and weekends. I was raising a family. And so one Friday night, I went to work, and I was so overwhelmed. But I took care of my patients. I actually wanted to turn around, I must say, that Friday night. When I got in at work, I did everything I needed to do, but I realized I had lost my joy. My joy for nursing was gone. And I knew when I clocked out that day that I needed to step away to do something, to really care for myself because I could no longer do it. Now, it was at a point where I'd realize if I'd realized it earlier, I probably could have done just, you know, the self-care that I talk about, that we both talk about. But I think it was at a point where it called for radical self-care, stepping away, getting people to help me, even to raise my kids. It was that bad. Now I call it also, it was into depression because that's when it became so bad that I actually had to see a professional that was able to help support me in regaining my groundedness and my centeredness. So that's what it was. But, you know, like I said, it was also, you know, into the mental health part where I was really depressed about everything. You mentioned such an important point of losing your joy. Now, I remember when I was in nursing school, graduated with my BSN. It was like one of the best days of my life. And then the second best day of my life is when I got, when I passed my NCLEX, got my first job, and just so passionate about walking on that unit with my white uniform, because I wore white when I first got out of nursing school. I was like, I'm a traditional nurse. I wore white all the time, white top, white sneakers, white pants. And I just felt so honored to take care of those patients mm -hmm. and imagining losing that. I mean, that I, I, I still feel that way now when I encounter patients. So mm -hmm. oncology is my specialty, but losing that joy, that feeling you have or had when you graduated from nursing school and you got your first job or when you got the job you're working now that joy of caring for someone, when you lose that. So one, it's identifying what that feeling is. Mm -hmm. And two, identifying when it's gone and you don't have it anymore. 
But then three, taking radical action, like you said, something had to happen. Because when we are in that state, we're in trouble and we're putting our patients in danger. So I commend you for taking radical action and saying, I need to step away and get help. And knowing that you needed someone else to come in and help see you through that. So I commend you for that. That is amazing. Exactly. And, you know, like I said, in retrospect, I I call it burning, but I know I was like overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed. There was just so much I was doing and I could not do it anymore. And not just, it was nursing, it was actually caring for my kids. And so I realized that, you know, I had to make choices. And as I said, it was that time I stepped away. And it was just for, for about one year I stepped away and then I returned to nursing after I had done the work. So, yes. Yeah, Audrey, I would love to get your perspective on work-life balance, because as you're saying, you stepped away from nursing for a year, but you're really clear that it was, you know, the kids and the business and everything else that uh, was really stealing your joy from nursing. So I would love to get your perspective on work-life balance. Does it exist? What is it? How do you maintain it? Or is it really an illusion? Well... That's a great question because that's one of the things that caused me to write the book, The Ten Top Mistakes Overwhelmed Nurses Make. Because oftentimes we go and we do so many things. We're working, we're caring for the family, we're having to do other things because as nurse, we are nurturers. We are doing so many things outside of work. We might be in a PTA meeting, we might be at a football, as a soccer mom. We are doing so much. We are not just existing just to go to work and to go back home. So we are doing many, many things. So how do we create that work-life balance? One of the first things that I would say is about setting boundaries. And in the book, I describe the 10 things, the 10 mistakes that nurses make. And I would say setting boundaries. How much could we do? Learning how to say no. I don't have that as a mistake, but pretty much that's what it talks about. When to say no, when to say yes, and no could be a complete sentence that I cannot do that. And the answer is no. When we're asked to take on additional responsibility. Knowing our limits. Also caring for ourselves Because when we don't stop and take breaks and pause and care for ourselves, which is another mistake, we find ourselves feeling overwhelmed and we feel so tired. Also, I believe that if we are not careful, sometimes we start having times when we're not coping well and we don't see a professional to help us with that. So, To answer the question, could we create work-life balance? I believe we can. We have to know what our limits are. We have to know what is the demand of the job. And we have to make those choices as to what will take so much of our time. When we're off, how do we show up for our family? How are we present? When we don't do the things to help us to relax and to find that peace and enjoy when we're at work, 
when we come home, we're so tired. We're not even able to be present for our family, for ourselves, and for the other things that matter in our lives. So I think we have to really make self-care that priority in order to create that work-life balance. Yeah, that, that's that's a, a great point. Um, work-life balance, I'm still, still a question mark for me. Um, because... I don't know if we're all if we're ever really balanced, or is it just that we have more capacity this time to do more work, or we have uh, more capacity to deal with family? So, like you were saying, you know, your kids, the businesses, if things are going smooth, it's mm-hmm. fine. You feel balanced, but are you really balanced? Or you just have more capacity. Right. So, so, so I think I, I'm not saying work-life balance is, is yes or no, but I think for me, I'm still, the jury is still out on that. So I always like to ask that question about work-life balance. Um, That's a great question because though I, though I call it balance, it's more like a harmony. It's mm-hmm. like ebb and flow. You know, you see what's going on this week with the kids, then you know when to pull back. So I, it, it, it's a balance, but it's a, it's a balance that is not written in stone. It's a harmony. It's something that's moving. It's fluid. But to the center of it is, how am I showing up? Where's my joy this week? It's checking in with yourself on a regular basis, on a daily basis, and saying, how do I feel today? And for me, how I was able to create that, too, is really with mindfulness, being mindful of the present moment. Yeah, we have to make time and space for that. That's one thing as nurses where we're go, 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 go. Because um, as a nurse myself, one bad habit that I have is eating fast. Because you know, when you're on that unit, you don't always get a break. You may get a little, you go to the bathroom and you be able to, you know, munch something down. Or um, So even like in my personal life, I have to be mindful about eating at an appropriate pace <laughs> and not <laughs> chowing my food down. But as nurses, we are so fast paced, especially if we have a lot of patients and prioritize and we're back, we're forth. And to be honest, that's one thing I actually love about nursing is that um, you have to be innovative. You have to be strategic on, on who you're seeing, what you're doing. Like I, I love that aspect of, of nursing, but um, it prevents us from really slowing down um, mm-hmm. and being mindful in the moment. Um, so, Audrey, I want to say congratulations on your book because I know it was a number one bestseller. Uh, so that is amazing that you put, um, you know, a book out there for nurses to talk about the 10 mistakes overwhelmed nurses make. And I know you mentioned boundaries is one. Can you give us a couple of more of what are some of the mistakes nurses make? And can you tell us how you came up with these mistakes? Is this something you've seen in your 31 years of nursing or something you personally just experienced? Right. And thank you for asking that question. And thank you for giving me this platform to share. Now, when I think about mistakes, I think about it's something that we unintentionally did. It's not something we deliberately did. So right away, I'm starting from the premise. It was something that was unintentionally done so that we didn't realize in the moment. And so with mistakes, it's an opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity to develop. So that's why I call the book the 10 top mistakes nurses make, because I want nurses to look at it and say, this is what I'm doing, but I'm not realizing that 
this is going to lead to all the consequences that I was not even thinking of. Because we know as nurses that we should be exercising. That's one of the mistakes we make. We work and we're tired and we say, oh, I'm too tired to exercise. You may think it's simple, but many nurses, though they can talk about exercising, they're not actually practicing it because it could be that they don't have the time. They, they don't have the time to do it. They don't have saying that I don't have a gym membership or they're just tired. And as we know, if we exercise, it actually increases our energy. If we exercise, then our stress level reduces. If we exercise, those endorphins and all those good chemicals and hormones we talk about are able to release. So it enhances even the work we are doing while it might be in a stressful situation that it doesn't stress us out. So those are mistakes that we're not seeing the whole picture and that we need to see the whole picture of the things we need to do. So mistake practice, not exercising is a mistake. We need to be making exercise a routine where it's three, it's, you know, recommended as three times a week, four to five minutes of moderate exercise. So that is something we could do. And we can make exercise to be, we don't have to go to the gym. We can make it something we do at home, but we must have a routine and we must be consistent. One of the first mistakes I talk about is taking a break. Nurse is not taking a break. And the reasons we don't take a break, sometimes we're short to staff and we say, no, we can't take a break. Or we might feel even guilty because the patients need us and we say we can't take a break. But realizing that taking a break doesn't have to be four to five minutes or 30 minutes, whichever the, your job might be giving you as your break time. We can take a break like five minutes. Just step away from everything. And not this is not a break that we're going to take at the nurse's station. We're going to step into a quiet room, a quiet space, maybe even walk right outside of where our office is. If you're in an office setting, and just do some deep breathing, some mindfulness. But the breath is something that is so wonderful because the deep breathing, it calms us, it relaxes us. So when I talk about a break, it's about those five minutes, those 10 minutes to do something like maybe sip on some tea. Maybe even, like I said, connect with someone, like maybe you may say, okay, you can't call someone when you're at work, but maybe you need that connection. Call someone and say, you know what, I'm at work, but I was thinking about you and get that social connection. That simple thing could help us feel so much better when we go back on the floor for nurses that are still in the hospital. So taking a break is another mistake that nurse, not taking a break is another mistake nurses make. Yeah, those are great mistakes to point out, um, especially the exercise. You know, as nurses, we're always preaching to our patients, you have to exercise, right? <laughs> get some activity yeah. in, right? <laughs> get your heart rate up, but we're not doing it. Or nurses who smoke and tell their patients not to smoke. You know, like it's, <laughs> you know, we, we know the right thing to do, but we don't always do it. Um, how do you propose nurses start a new routine? Because, right, we're in overwhelm. We're not taking breaks. We're not taking care of ourselves. I think for us as um, nurses and coaches and mentors, 
it's very easy for us to say you should do this, but how how do you create those new practices? How do you create new routines? Um, what is some advice you can give some of our listeners about how do you create these new patterns? Right. And that's a very good question because that's going to segue into another mistake that nurses make about sometimes setting too much of an ambitious goal, a goal that's not realistic. I talk about that in the book and I every chapter with a mistake, there's a story to go with it that nurses that I've connected with nurses and I've gotten their stories. So for example, to start any new habit, we want to set goals and we want to set smart goals, whatever it is we're going to be doing. If it's, for example, self-care, that's another mistake that nurses make, not having self-care. And so you can say, I want to start doing self-care. How are we going to do it? We're going to set some specific goals meaning that goals are going to be smart goals, means specific. It may be something like, okay, I'm going to care for myself. I'm going to decide to have six hours or seven hours of sleep a night. That's very specific. M, the next word is, it's measurable. A, it's good. It's an action. We're actually going to do this action. We're going to have some action steps. In order to get this six to seven hours of sleep, what it means I have to do maybe I spoke about sleep just a couple of days ago. We're going to create a good sleep hygiene right there and then mean that two hours before I go to bed, I'm not going to eat. Six hours before I go to sleep, no caffeine for those who love caffeine. So I'm making some action plans to, so that I can get to that place where I'm going to have that six to seven hours of sleep. Also, I'm going to maybe meditate about five minutes before sleep time. That's going to help me to really have that sleep. And setting those goals. And then the next part, they're realistic. That's part of the goal setting. And it's time sensitive. And we can start that very slowly. Say, okay, by the end of this month, I want to be getting six or seven hours. Maybe the first few weeks, it might still be five. Because I'm hearing nurses are sleeping four and five hours a night. I was there where I worked nights for 15 years and I was sleeping four hours a day because at nights I work and I came home and raising my kids, I would go to bed at a certain time, maybe nine o'clock. And then by one o'clock, I have to wake up to get the younger one from daycare or wherever they went, you know, at some point in my life. So to start a habit, I say start small, be consistent. And I like I practice mindfulness and part of it saying every day is a new day. When you you didn't meet your goals, don't give it up altogether. Look at the next day, a new day, and start. And you know, as the word, some people say it takes 30 days to get a habit, some say 60 days. Whatever it is, you'll be consistent every day. It's like when you start brushing your teeth and you brush your teeth every day and become became a habit. And do those steps every day, and you're gonna find that you're gonna it's gonna become part of who you are. It's not gonna be doing, it's gonna be actually part of just being. And so that would be my um 
encouragement for anyone wanting to start a new habit. And the, the book has great exercise. How you can do it very simple ways, setting alarms, um, using apps um, to help us. We have so many apps now. The Calm apps, I really love it. Also, being in a community of other people that meditate. So doing different things like that would really help you in terms of, you know, getting the balance, the harmony that we want and starting a habit and being able to maintain it. I love that. Such great nuggets, a lot of great nuggets. And I love that you said um, you you transition this is how I heard it, you transition from doing to being. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's about. It's about being, not the doing. And I think we focus a lot on doing and not just the being. And I think that's where the mindfulness comes in, which is so important. Absolutely. That is amazing. Well, Audrey, you are like a legend in nursing. Thirty Over 30 years, I'm going to say, not 31. <laughs> so I think it's amazing for people to um, learn from you, really listen and uh, get dialed into what you're saying because you have so much experience. Um what would you tell um, schools of nursing? Because, you know, for me, I think it starts there. Mm-hmm. Um, in nursing school, when we start talking about wellness and how to deal with stress and overwhelm and burnout. What are some things you would tell if you had the air of a, a dean of a school of nursing? What would you tell them regarding wellness and nursing? Yes, it has to become part of the curriculum, for one. Because I think we have to teach mindset. I believe because nurse is a very stressful career, though it's very rewarding, we have to talk about that stressful part and how to mitigate those times. We have to teach things like resilience. We have to teach mindfulness. I think we should teach compassion too, self-care. Those are strategies that nurses can use and learn from nursing school how to apply it when they go out into the world. And as a matter of fact, start in nursing school. I spoke was last year to a group of nursing students at one of the local colleges in Georgia. And at the end of the talk, I had a couple of students came up and, you know, they thanked me and so forth. And most of them wrote out their reflection But one particular said to me, she said, you know what? I was actually thinking about quitting the nursing program. But when I spoke to her and I talked to her about being able to um, navigate it in terms of caring for herself, about having the courage because they had all enrolled during the pandemic. So I commend them on their courage. But then I did beseech them to really take care of themselves. And she said, even in nursing school, they weren't doing that. And I said, yes, I know how nursing school is difficult, but you have to start being compassionate to yourself. That self-compassion is so needed. And yes, if it starts in nursing program in the school, it will definitely transcend. They'll be ready when they go out into the world that they'll have those habits those strategies to help them get through those difficult days that we all know that you're going to be going through difficult times because we know nursing is a very stressful career. So that's what I would say to them is that preparing the mindset, not just the skill set. 
Yes, absolutely. Mindset, not just the skill. All right, Audrey. Audrey is dropping them. Okay. <laughs> Doing, being, mindset, skill set. Okay, I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> no, that's amazing. And one thing I do want to uh, talk about a little bit, uh, Audrey, is I know we are both certified John Maxwell uh, leadership coaches. Um, how does leadership and nursing kind of um, correlate or relate to wellness? Uh, you know, because for me, we're all leaders mm-hmm. in nursing and in order for us to be the change, uh, make the change, uh, be part of the change, you know, you have to be well. And there showcases leadership is when we can really move the needle on influence, right? So mm-hmm. so if, if we can really help um, influence the change that we want to see, but if we are overwhelmed, we're burned out, we're stressed, it's going to be really hard for us to be part of that. That is so true because I love that question and my Maxwell leadership sister, <laughs> JMTDNE, as we always say, that's amazing. So I believe transformation starts within. It has to start with each and every one of us. And we're all talking about transformation in healthcare. We want to see it happen because we have experienced what it is and we know where there's so much that needs to be done. But it first has to start within every within the nurses and how we look at what we do that we are leaders, we are there positioned to be an influence to our colleagues and also to impact our patients. And the only way we can do that is if we are well ourselves, that we are in a position where we are healthy in body, in mind, and in emotions. Because when you are healthy, you can definitely impart into others about living healthier lives. Uh, because leadership is influence, nothing less, nothing more. And so as we lead, as we share with others how to make a difference in their life, even our patients, as we coach them how to make a difference in their life, we will see that we are able to better impact them if we're in a space where we are being impactful ourselves. So I think it has to start within us. And, you know, I think about those va- those leadership values like valuing others. How do you value others? You have to value yourself first. You know, also the values of forgiveness, the value of compassion, the value of listening. We know as leaders, we have to not just speak, but we have to listen. That way we connect with our patients, we connect with our colleagues. That's another mistake we make sometimes as nurses. It's in the book, communication. And so we know how important communication is because lack of communication can cause misunderstanding, miscommunication, misalignment, and it could cause death even because some misinformation was passed on and someone didn't understand whatever it was. It can even lead to death in the nursing field, as we know that our orders are written, the form of communication. But um, communication is so important. So that's all part of, I think, leading and influencing others that we work on our communication, how we 
listen because I know I think we all are good with the talking part, but the listening, the connecting is what we all need to work on. So, yes. So I would say, you know, those doing those things, those values, really living out those values as we, you know, caring for each other, having compassion. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone communicates, few connect, right? (laughs) Yes, that is so true. Yeah, so this has been an amazing discussion, Audrey. We'll definitely have to bring you back. Before we wrap up and go through our rapid fire, how can people get in contact with you? Well, to get in touch with me, go to AudreyBoyce.com. And that's my website. And you can get in touch with me that way. Or CEOAudrey.com. That's another way to get in touch with me but I would love to make the connection. I'm here for you. I'm here to serve. I would love for you to get a copy of the book because that book over time, within the next couple of months, I will be putting together a mastermind on the book, a coaching session for nurses. I believe every nurse should have that, a copy of that book because it's such valuable information and nurses should not have to choose between self-care and their career. They should be able to do both. And that's the reason why I wrote the book. So please get a copy and connect with me. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Audrey. And I think the book is so important. I'm going to buy five copies and give it to five listeners. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much for the support. Yes. Awesome. So Audrey, let's go to the rapid fire before we wrap up. So tell me the first thing that comes to your mind to finish the statement or answer the question. Are you ready? Oh, okay. I'm in the hot seat too. (laughs) Rapid fire. (laughs) Yes, let's go. All right. Wellness means? Wellness means being centered body, soul, and spirit. It's not an absence of illness, but being balanced. I know I'm stressed when? My heart starts beating and I'm not focused. My go-to stress management solution is? Taking a break and breathing. The one thing I would tell my younger self in nursing is? Don't stress the small stuff. It'll work itself out. One thing I learned about myself during the pandemic is? How family is even more important and how connection is so important and isolation can lead to so much illness that no one needs to live a life alone. We're social beings and we need it to be connected with each other, even on a more regular basis. And if you had one wish, one wish that you can wish for the profession of nursing, what would it be? That nurses would not just feed their young, but take care of themselves. It's actually two, but yeah, those are the (laughs) care for themselves and feed their young. Awesome. Well, Audrey, this has been such an amazing discussion. We'll definitely have to have you back and we will definitely uh, let you know who we provide those five books to. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much, Wendy, for having me. I appreciate the time and the platform. 
Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend. Before you go, I would love to share a free stress management resource with you. Go to stressblueprint.com and download your free copy of the three questions to ask when you are stressed. Until next time, go out and be your best, do your best, and give your best. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Healthcare for Humans, hosted by Dr. Sundar, expands our understanding of the history and culture of different communities and how to provide culturally responsive care. There's an episode you should check out where guest Dr. Duran details the systemic barriers faced by individuals with DACA status and highlights the importance of addressing these barriers. Check out Healthcare for Humans on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.